Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And perhaps nothing does it better than Star Trek itself. I'm speaking today with a podcaster that has a podcast on Star Trek, particularly called Strange New Trek. It's about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And he is Jeremy Vilmer, who, along with Chris Noonien Singh, are the hosts of the podcast. And we will have them in just a moment. Hi, today we have Jeremy Vilmer, and he is part of Strange New Trek, a Strange New Worlds podcast, which looks at the Captain Pike years. And as Jeremy, as I understand it, you guys are been uh, been looking at uh, season two when we first see this new version of Pike. Well, actually, we started with um, uh, Forbidden Planet. We went all the ah. way back to all the way back to the inspiration for the original uh, Cage episode or pilot, um, and then we went into Discovery season two, and then obviously season one of Strange New Worlds. Is there a consensus as Anson's performance as Pike? Well, he's fantastic, but he's a completely yeah. different take on Pike than Jeffrey Hunter did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very yeah. different. Closer maybe, uh, you know, to the Pike in the movies, the the Kelvin universe a little bit, but they can deviate because they're a Kelvin universe. Um, Yeah, and, you know, between where we see Pike in the cage, I mean, he could have just been having a bad week. Yeah. And he, he, and he was. He was, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the Anson Mount take on Pike might be more – pike in the regular whereas you know pike when we see him in the cage that might be a week of three martini lunches and you know what guys i quit mm -hmm. i think what uh, is fascinating and i'm so glad that that uh, that strange new worlds is diving into it is the fact that he knows what's going to happen I found that to be a really interesting take on it. I started a fan comic years ago that I'm not much of a writer, so I dropped out of doing it pretty quickly. Um, but it was uh, Turtles All the Way Down is what I named it. It was about a pike who was never sure that he left Talos. And so his, his career, as we follow it up until the accident on the Class J ship, he's never 100% that he's actually where he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I found this to be a their take the the discovery and post discovery take on him knowing exactly where he's at and exactly what's coming. While not what I thought would happen in the story about him, I found it to be a really, really creative and interesting take on that. Mm -hmm. What I also liked and this was bold move in uh, in season two of Discovery, was going back to Talos Four and reimagining the Talosians a little bit. That was fascinating to me. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to do that. And <laughs> when they did, I was shocked. Um, I still prefer the original version of the Talosians to what we saw there, but I thought what they did was interesting, and I, I certainly wouldn't take anything away from it. And the actress that played Vina, I thought, you know, could have been uh, Susan Oliver's daughter, really. She looks so much like her. Uh, yeah. And I'm one of those. I think Susan Oliver is like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much that is. I grew up watching Star Trek. From, I mean, like 
this is the first show I remember seeing. Yeah. Um, and how much of that is just having seen her throughout 50 years of living, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, she was awesome, you know, and, and it's true how they, uh, how this closions tempted Pike uh, essentially to mate with her mm-hmm. uh, and create more humans for their, you know, for their zoo by presenting her in all these amazing things. And I thought what Jeffrey did that was really good was, I thought, especially when she was, you know, the the Orion slave girl, I thought his his defense was kind of cracking a little bit there. And I, I saw it in his eyes. And I thought that was I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah. Jeffrey Hunter, he really. How do you say this and not sound bad about it? Jeffrey Hunter was from an era where movie actors didn't do TV roles. And right. Jeffrey Hunter was a movie actor. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he was a guy who had the timing and the training, and he did a lot of acting with very little facial movement. And I don't know that you, I don't even know that you can compare it to modern acting. Yeah. Um, because a lot of you can see in his performance, in her, in uh, Susan Oliver's performance, there's a lot of stage acting in their acting as well. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So when Jeffrey Hunter brings an emotion, the back row can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is for everybody there. Yeah, I thought it served its purpose. And, you know, the cage got it all started. So mm-hmm. I, absolutely. I have, I have fond memories of it. Uh, yeah. Some of the backgrounds showed up in later Star Trek episodes. Uh, the uh, the matte painting with the castle was also uh, Flint's home in Star Trek in season three of Star Trek. But oh, abs- I, Yeah. I have no problem with that, but I thought that it did a really good job. And uh, and then this version, I, I really like it. You know, one of the things they did was, uh, you know, Discovery is kind of more a long form storytelling. And mm-hmm. this is episodics that are contained. I mean, that's kind of going back to old school Star Trek. What were your feelings, uh, you know, talking about this uh, with Chris on your podcast? I, I think Chris and I came from a, a similar background point in that now Chris is about 10 or 12 years younger than me. So he, d- he hasn't seen TV evolve over the same span that I have. Um, but, you know, you and I would have come from a time where it didn't matter if you saw last week's episode, mm-hmm. this week's episode starts where it starts. It ends where basically it started. And next week we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, now, starting with shows like The Shield in you know the early 2000s, we started seeing short seasons and then an eight to 10 hour story yeah. or, you know, a, a six to 10 hour story with a couple one off episodes. And while I have enjoyed that and I've seen like, I think the show Highlander would have been fantastic if they had done three and four episode blocks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, doing doing standalones, I think, really hurt the story and the structure of that show. Yeah. But now that we've had 20 years, 20, almost 25 years of serialized storytelling over, you know, a dozen episodes a season, mm-hmm. I think we're all ready for, hey, you know what? Sometimes you just want to throw something on for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and not, not worry about what happened in the 25 previous episodes or, you know. Um, it's like the joy of the original Star Trek and Next Generation that is lost in, say, a show like Babylon 5 is that you can watch just one episode. You throw on an episode of Babylon 5 from, say, season three, you're going to be like, I I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was it, it was one of the first long form shows, especially yeah, in science fiction. Yeah, and I love it, but I do know that unless you saw the majority of every episode before whatever episode you're jumping into, unless it's Gray 17 is missing, you're not going to catch what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so Chris and I both come from the we like long form storytelling, but we have loved the fact that you can just jump into an episode of Strange New Worlds and outside of a little character history or a little character arc, you're not going to miss anything. Yeah. Speaking of history, what uh, what led you and Chris to team up and, and go and do this podcast? Uh, Chris and I have have a, a strange and colored history. Um, <laughs> when I was running my original podcast called Geekish Cast, uh, which was a there was a live episode every week and then an interview episode every week. I was following his original Friday the 13th podcast which is still being produced, but by somebody else. So I'm not going to get into the history of that. Yeah. But I wrote into them to say, cause they were doing the, why if Jason lived through being drowned, and this is just for people who are horror fans if Jason lived through being drowned, why wouldn't his mother know he was alive? And I said, well, maybe his mom was abusive. And then they threw tomatoes at me and booed loudly for about six weeks until one of them brought that up. And then everybody patted each other on the back for coming up with a great idea. And that's been the start of a eight or nine year friendship between me and Chris. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's we're cool. both, yeah, but we're both Star Trek fans and we've gone through similar things in our background. So we just kind of ended up talking here and there, just like through chat and whatever. And we've stayed friends. And then I've been trying to come up with a new podcast idea as like a hobby and a way to keep myself busy for a while. And that's when I came up with the idea of doing one that followed the new Pike series. Mm -hmm. And how do you find podcasting? I mean, I, I, at times I love it, but at times it's also a chore. Um, well, it's a labor of love, I would say. And I, I have one of my moodier reactions to podcasting is, you know, I, I started my first podcast in 2015 and I, I did a lot of interviews with small budget filmmakers, um, game, game publisher, you know, like little, uh, little companies, little one man, two man operation kind of deals. Yeah. And then now I look around and especially since the pandemic, you see Joe Rogan getting $15 billion to do what, and I'm thinking, you know, guys, you already had access to your own cable shows, your own broadcast shows, your own radio programs leave podcasting to us, you know, let, let us have some small piece of the pie because like when I had geekish cast, I could get one to 7,000 downloads in 24 hours, just being a one man show with an interesting guest. And then when I did a show called bell, the bell with Bobby blaze, where a former pro wrestler and I did a top 10 list every week for classic pro wrestling. It was a struggle to get hundreds of downloads, even though we had, all sorts of passionate fans out there. It just wasn't, it didn't catch the foothold that you could early on. And uh, when there were less big name podcasters out there, uh, while I like it, I also kind of, I kind of get a uh, chip on my shoulder about it. Yeah. I mean, I heard just reading the other day, I heard that there are literally a thousand new podcasts a day. Yes. I mean, that is crazy. 
Yeah. So it's like sometimes, you know, you, you said, gee, I wish I were doing much, much better. But when you look at that relatively and the fact that you maintain an audience that keeps coming back, that's actually something to be proud of. You know, you know really. I, and, and I, I, I kind of wonder if it might not be, you know, maybe getting a thousand downloads isn't important or 10,000, whatever the metric they try to throw out there is. I kind of wonder if maybe having 35 passionate listeners wouldn't be better than having 10,000. Uh, we'll grab an episodes, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I think the passionate ones are the ones that you want to have. Yeah. And I'd rather listen to 35 or I'd rather have listening to me, 35 people who like me and get my viewpoint and understand what I'm trying to do with the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, then we've got, you know, we get our noses rubbed in metrics that are may not even be achievable anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you look at people that are successful in podcasting and, you know, Joe Rogan's, I mean, they've been on television. Mm. Some of them have been on radio. So it's like, yeah, it's like they don't have to prove who they are. So it's like they and it's too tempting because it's just another way to make more money. You know, obviously, I'm a I'm a TV guy. I love watching TV genre television. Yeah. Um, and um, Michael Rosenbaum from uh, Small. Yeah. Yeah. He does a great podcast. Yeah. yeah. He's got a great podcast, but it's also backed by Cumulus. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. there's a you know, there's a radio company putting it together. And then, you know, you got guys like I'm gonna say you and I, but I honestly I don't know your background, so this may not apply and I might just be, you know, jumping on. But you know, we just we've got a microphone and an idea and may or may like back back when I had my first podcast, I had a job that paid twice as much and I was married, so I had a lot more money and so I buy advertising and do outreach. Now I don't have those things. So when I do a podcast, it's a budget experience, you know? Sure. So sure. it's a completely different thing. And then I, like I said, I get a little chip on my shoulder. I look at guys who have great shows with great production value, but they're being paid for. They, they start with advertisers. They have a publisher. And, you know, I just think it's hard for us to compete. And especially like you said, with a thousand new shows starting today, tomorrow, Tuesday. Yeah. I, I like Michael, you know, his show, his podcast is good, but obviously he had the, has the exposure and is known because he voices the flash. He was on Smallville. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he, he has an established audience. So it's obviously not much of a risk for Cumulus because, and he can get these people. It's like, well, it's Michael Rosen. It was funny. He had um, Jonathan Frakes on recently <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said to him, he goes, you're the only podcast. This is Jonathan saying, you're the only podcast that that makes me come to a studio. It's like, usually I just do it over Zoom. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. There is more Trek Tuesday on Sci-Fi Talk on Strange New Trek, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. I mean, Zoom has totally changed uh, the game for me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like... I, I, we, we moved out of the New York area and, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm not doing San Diego or, or New York Comic-Con anymore, but I'm, I'm getting, um, and even the Tribeca Film Festival, which I've covered since 2013, but I just actually connected with a filmmaker I met there and she's going there this year with her horror film, Perpetrator, a really good director. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to do it over Zoom. So, <laughs> oh yeah. 
So it's like it's, we, I don't have to be there in person anymore and yeah. kind of go through the crowds and you know and the and all that stuff. San Diego with the flight, the hotel that runs into money. So uh, real and, quick, yeah. and New York now too. I, I would have to. I could probably get a place to stay, but I'd still have to fly up there. So. And that's not, yeah, I was just in New York city last year on my way to Greece and getting in and out of New York. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 180 bucks just to leave the airport and go to a hotel. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not, not cheap. Not cheap. I mean, I had a great time there. I did. I lived in the city, but you know, I'm happy where I am right now and I'm still talking to amazing people. So, um, you know, and I got to say, and that's something I, I would have to ask you about as well. That is what I enjoyed about podcasting. I used to have PR PR companies. They'd hit me up and I'd meet these really interesting people. Some of which I'm still in contact with today, just as a, Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. That to me has been the most enjoyable part. Is that what you found as well? Well, yeah. I mean, I was uh, at New York comic-con a few years ago before the pandemic, I was in the bowels of Madison square garden with the cast of discovery. They were all there. So Anson was there. Ethan interviewed them all. You know, it was a, a round tables. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And and Mary was there and uh, Wilson and Anthony. It was great, you know, and it was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, so uh, actually, uh, because of Zoom, I'm actually we're, I'm hoping that uh, I'm in contact with CBS, you know, CB, uh, Paramount Plus, and we're hoping to set something up for season two with nice. the cast so yeah. yeah and i've talked to mike mahan of lower decks and that was over zoom uh and then we did Kate mulgrew was at new york comic-con and from her hotel room i talked to her i got a few minutes with her and, and you know before prodigy premiered so i mean i've been as far as star trek i've been lucky i mean uh yeah. i i mean going i've i've had one-on-ones with leonard nimoy jimmy oh Doing. wow and uh, Jimmy talking about his days during World War II was like, yeah, I, I mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but he's actually missing a finger. Mm-hmm. He had it shot off during yeah. Normandy. It was his ring finger on his left hand, right? So, yeah. So he, uh, yeah. so it's like, so he would, he would say, I don't have all of mine, but Scotty does. So he would yeah. curl his, his hand in a fist so that. <laughs> If I remember right, the only time you can tell is in the trouble with tribbles. He's holding the tribble and you can see. Oh, really? If, if I remember correctly and let's, let's be fair. I'm pushing 50. So my memory ain't all that great these days, but yeah, I think you can actually see it in that one shot in trouble with tribbles where his finger is missing off of that hand. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But if I remember right, he got like three or four bullets that day. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a hero. He's, he's oh, a, absolutely. You know, not, the man was a hero. And I did see I did see him towards the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And I I actually had the opportunity to maybe ask for an interview at a convention, but I could tell he was in really bad shape. Yeah, and his son Chris was there, and essentially all he was doing was signing. If he interacted with people. I mean, he just was, he was in his last, you know, sure, few years. Sure. So I, it was like, I didn't, I didn't, you know, bother to even ask, but I did have that one great interview with him and, and my co-host at the time at his hotel room in, at the Plaza in New York city. So that was in 96. So that was, that was great. And he was very candid and um, told me some great stories and uh, you know, he, uh, 
very grateful for the opportunity to do Scotty. And boy, he's he's a hard act to follow. Whoever they end up casting for Strange New Worlds. Um. Yeah. I. I. There's a part of me, and I've already been proven wrong with Spock twice. There's a part of me that doesn't want to see him recast. But yeah. But we know he's coming because we've already mm-hmm. heard his voice. Yeah. Speaking of Spock, what do you think yes. of uh, Mr. Peck's uh, performance? He's a, a, like much like Anson Mount. It's a different Spock, but I think for what he's got um, and where he's coming from, I really enjoy his Spock. Um, when I look at the screen, I don't think, oh, there's Ethan Peck playing Spock. I just think, right. oh, hey, look, there's Mr. Spock. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Leonard's gone. So it's like there's nobody else. Mm-hmm. That you you have to have a younger Spock because by Spock's own words, he served with Pike for 13 years. Right. So he was with him a long time. Right. So uh, we're seeing a, a, a Spock that's not quite the Leonard Nimoy Spock yet. He's- no. And, you know, I, I have to assume that over a Vulcan lifespan, especially for a half human, as much as that irks me a little bit, a half human Vulcan, um, you do a lot of growing up in 13 years. Yeah, yeah, a lot of changing. Well, you know, mm-hmm. let me ask you something because I, I can tell you're you're on the same page as I, probably fandom wise here. What did you think in the early to mid two thousands when all those fan productions started coming out, and we had to get used to new people playing Spock and Kirk and McCoy? Do mm-hmm. you think that has helped get us ready for this? Where now there's new professional productions and we're seeing new spot Kirk and McCoy's. I think it got the studio's attention. Um, you know, some of them were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, the acting and the writing weren't so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, the James Cauley ones, I mean, the, the sets you can tour in uh, Ticonderoga, New York. Yes. And uh, it's, it's on my wish list. I'd love to, I mean, it's really up there in New York State. So I would never go up there in the winter, but because uh, I wouldn't probably get people to get back. Right. But because uh, of the weather, but you can fly into Buffalo probably and then, you know, rent a car and drive and drive down there. But I would, that is worth a look. As far as I also know, there's another enterprise uh, set that is in Los Angeles that's been used occasionally. Uh, and actually, James Cauley's group is actually um, building some of the next generation uh, stuff, too. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they they I think they took over like an old garage or gas station and they just literally built, you know, he had access to uh, to the blueprints, mm-hmm. not only the uniforms, but also the uh, the sets. Sure. He knew Bill Tice, who was the costume designer and. You know, he got all the patterns from him. So, oh wow! So, well, yeah. the um, the production value on that was through the roof. The acting could be a little rough on on James Colley's production, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was yeah, it was touch and go. Uh, yeah, you know. no, um, but I I enjoyed it. Um, of course, there was the uh, Star Trek continues. Now, I interviewed a number of them even though my little brother had warned me about one of the people on there and then maybe it wasn't a good idea to do anything. And then <laughs> a year or two later, it turned out my little brother was correct. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the people involved 
in that notwithstanding legal accusations um were great like um oh the guy that played mccoy on there after larry um larry yeah 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 Yeah. um after larry played the doctor in one in one or two episodes and then i'm trying to think of the other guy's name he's android 17 on dragon ball z oh he was a a great interview Mm -hmm. um the guy that played Spock on there, he was a very serious actor, and I don't know enough about acting that sometimes I trip over my own feet when asking about their process, uh, and that happened with him. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. But that, you know, Star Trek Continues was a a great one as far as production value and everything yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, as we said, some were very good. Some were, you know, mm-hmm. not so good. The writing, I really enjoyed when uh, Walter Koenig did uh, essentially an episode where years later, Chekhov gets a kind of the disease that oh, they yeah. all aged. Yeah. And uh, I thought he did a wonderful job to really show what he could do when he was really the main focus of the yeah. Of the series. I think and DC Fontana wrote that one. Even, I believe or, she did. Yeah, yeah, actually, some of the old you know writers did write it. And yeah. I thought um, seeing Nichelle again, especially since we lost her, mm-hmm. you know, doing a horror again was great. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was good. I actually interviewed um, interviewed the actor. I it, it, the name stumps me right now, but he was Captain Harriman in the Enterprise B, and he uh, he did one of those too. And um, uh, Alan Ruck, Alan Ruck. Yeah, I interviewed Alan and yeah. he did. He did that. And uh, he was ter- he was terrific in it. And I, I told him when I talked to him about it, I thought he rehabilitated, uh, you know, Captain Harriman a lot in that episode. Oh, poor Harriman. He gets a bad rap. He does get a bad rap. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you kill Captain Kirk, I guess. But, you know, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the first season of. Um, of this of uh, starting strange new worlds i the the first episode was pure star trek you know really was and the thing i loved was going back to a mock time and uh and doing that uh you know it wasn't real but boy did they you know i guess they used that new system where they call it the, the wall the, or whatever the volume the volume and yeah uh, they reproduced it, and it was like, oh, my, right down to the flame on that fountain back there. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And Ethan no, they, was great playing they, both the human and the Vulcan spot. They really knocked it out of the park with that episode. Um, honestly, besides me having some questions about the Gorn, which could easily be pacified with about five minutes of explanation, mm-hmm. um, I think Strange New Worlds is the best first season of Star Trek we've had since the original series. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Next Generation's uh, first season was not that good. Boy, that was rough, wasn't it? Uh, it was a rough one. It was. Yeah. Rough one. I mean, but it, the third season, it was like, ah, when I saw yesterday's Enterprise, I go, that's there they yeah. go. Yeah. Now they're, well, now they got it. Now the they difference, got it. The difference between seasons one and three, it's almost like you have characters with the same names, but they're completely different people. Yeah, well, the, the the problem is season two had the writer strike, and that right. just killed it. That killed it. It was like they could not get a good episode out there. And by the time the writers came back, I think they were out for like 100 days. It was like, oh, man, 
But yeah, it yeah. was it was brutal. It was brutal. Well, I think that was when they were first trying to figure out how writers would get paid for home video sales. Yeah, that was exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and now, you know, this new writer strike, this could be a real killer because streaming. Yeah. Yep. How do you I mean, I've got friends that are professional music musicians. Yeah. And they make point zero 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 three five cents every time one of their songs plays on a streaming service. Wow. Now they can measure that for TV series and movies, but how do you pay somebody for that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of what's holding it up. And uh, you know, I you know, hey, they they write this stuff. Writers always seem to be last on the totem pole, but without mm-hmm. them, there's no stories, you know? No, <laughs> so, it's look, I mean, they deserve residuals and everything yep, just like absolutely. everybody else. Yeah. They worked on it and hard sometimes. So yeah, uh, it's bad enough to get their credits taken out for almost nothing. Most of the time, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did like in discovery really one of my favorite episodes was when uh, Pike actually meets one of his, uh, one of the kids, that he eventually dies and then yes and then he sees himself in the in the future you know his yeah the future pike comes to visit him and man the way they went back to balance of terror was brilliantly yeah. done it was like boy i said I said, you can't do it like this unless you have a reverence for that series so you I, really have to know star trek it's yeah uh, you know, and I feel that same way about Lower Decks. It's like, yeah, it's a joke show, but it's a joke show that loves Star Trek because every minute of it is a Star Trek reference. And that episode, what did they call that? And what was that episode of uh, Strange New Worlds called? I can't. Remember I, I think I, I think it might have. I forget what they called it, but uh, it was a brilliant episode. And yeah, I, I totally, totally liked it and referencing it and. uh and even uh, they they kind of went at the Romulan commander a little differently too, which I really really liked. Yeah, I, I like everything they did in there. Um, I thought it was interesting that they made uh, Hanson a, a Middle Eastern or Asian descent, but they kept his name Hanson, also Law. <laughs> you know, they yeah, it's yeah. The same same guy, same name. Yeah. It's just you know we just added a little something back here. Yeah. Um, I do remember, and if you were to scour my Twitter, you would see where I said next week's episode is going to be a remake of balance of terror. Yeah. And I went off that just off the guy's uh, uniform patch and the asteroid they showed in the shot. I was like, yep, we're getting yeah. balance of terror. Yeah. Um, they, I, I loved everything about it. I am a little iffy on the big monster maroon version of the uniform they used. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they I, really, they've really branded strange new worlds has its own look. Yes. But it looks very Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But they they have carried pieces of it up now into the Wrath of Khan era, so we can see what the jackets would look like. And I have to assume the jackets look like that because Chris Pike stayed captain in the Enterprise, and the uniform stayed in that style. Yeah. If I look mm-hmm. at the th- the three big risks that the series took in its first season, number one, making essentially having a relative of Khan Noonien Singh on the bridge. Not sold on it yet, but I do like uh, Christina Chong. Oh, she's killing it. Killing yeah. it. The fairy tale episode was another one that I thought was like, wow, that was bold to do something like that. That one took balls. <laughs> that one because <laughs> the whole time I've watched it, I'm thinking, I don't know if I like this. By the end of it, I was just fine with it. 
but when it was first going, I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like Star Trek. It looks like Star Trek, but I don't know if I like it. Yeah. I mean, I thought they, I thought they really handled it well and actually closed the whole arc with uh, Mimbenga's daughter, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, a lovely, a lovely thing about the series. Uh, you know, it, it definitely brought a tear to my eye uh, in that episode. Cause I'm a father too. So it was, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, it really hit me, but yeah, it was, uh, I thought it was one of the highlights of the season and I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Uh, so yeah, that was, I thought those were two risks they took that were, um, that paid off and, and very, you know, it's like, actually the third risk would have to be James T. Kirk. <laughs> you know, it's like, I did not expect that, but I said, you know, I like his Kirk. There's, things about him that are very recognizable um one of the things with paul wesley and i bought him as kirk i i I had no problem with his playing kirk Mm -hmm. now maybe it's a younger kirk but his dick swing and swagger wasn't quite there yet now maybe that's that's just lieutenant kirk versus captain kirk yeah but you know william shatner walked like a cowboy with a burr in his boot you know yes he did yeah and uh, and he still kind of does when you see him out in public he still moves around kind of cowboyish but oh yeah yeah <laughs> but paul wesley was definitely playing a kirk who had I mean, you, you could recognize kirk in there but it yeah. wasn't quite the kirk we knew yet no no not yet yeah he's, but, he's also but, you know, but you know let's i mean let's lay this on the table kirk isn't the guy that most people accuse him of being either yeah i'm mean, sure he had a love interest most episodes but he wasn't some whoremonger each and every episode no. he he did not devolve into violence continuously to solve all of his problems which a lot of people oh you know kirk was such a cowboy well when when the situation called for it, but kirk wasn't out there breaking the rules and doing kirk was a by the book captain who occasionally mm-hmm. got stuck in a situation that the book did not cover yeah 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 so how often do you guys release an episode? Is it? I, I, is well, it- we're, we're on hiatus right now. Okay. Um, Chris has got a couple issues going on and I figured, um, yeah. well, he, who doesn't, you know, I do too. Sure. <laughs> and, and we're, and we're between seasons of strange new world. So we're kind of just going to sit and wait for the new season to start. There you go. But, and the plan wasn't to do 52 episodes a year. It was to, yeah do you know 20 something maybe 30 something and then take a hiatus yeah there so you go. instead of it coming during a planned point it came during an unplanned point but you know such is life yeah, uh, yeah. so when when strange new world starts back up we'll kick back in i'm kind of playing around with a few ideas to keep the youtube page um keep some content going i have to see if i can find i've got an idea for just a little short called if it's not alpha it has to be beta and covering beta content about chris pike but i don't know that there's enough of it to do it the way i want to do it yet yeah yeah um even though i just finished a book called the high country that was actually pretty good about chris pike and his crew yeah i heard i saw that on twitter the uh, it's an audio book right Oh yeah, I did the audiobook, um, which the, the guy who did the voiceover was really pretty good. And as an aspiring voiceover artist, I, I have to respect when the when the game is strong, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh that 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 sounds great. I mean, um uh, I'm looking forward to the season as well and seeing what coverage I can get. I mean, uh it's up in the air at the moment, but I think mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm I'm gently nudging them every chance I get. 
and will again this week just to say, hey, it's well, about yeah. a month away and, uh, you know, see what's going on. But, you know, that's that's the other thing, if, if, if you don't mind me expanding for a moment. It was easier to get guests four or five years ago than it is now. It's very competitive. Yeah, it yeah. definitely is. It really, um, really is. So, so Tony, who's your who's your like holy grail? What's what's the guy that you're like, I or guy or gal that you got that you're like, I can't believe I got them. I would have to be Leonard because yeah, I, I Spock was everything to me. You know, I, yeah. The, the funny thing is, when I was a kid watching the show initially, Kirk was the guy I really admired. But then, as I got older, it was just Spock, and and not only Spock, Leonard Nimoy. What yeah. an actor. What an actor. He was an amazing actor, you know, and uh, th- what he did with that part. That's why he's so iconic. You got the right person in the right role and uh, did a wonderful job. And so that to have had him, and, you know, and um, he somebody told me on Twitter that he enjoyed talking to me. And I was I, I, I tried to chase him again. And unfortunately, he passed away. So, yeah, you know, that's um but to have had him on the podcast, that was a real, real treat. No question. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Well, strange yeah, for, new. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say for me, it was Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's always a fun movie. That Queen soundtrack. Oh, love it. Yeah. I've yeah. got a, I got a half sleeve Flash Gordon. I mean, it's the Alex Raymond stuff. It's the old comic strip stuff. But yeah, I got, nice. I got a huge tattoo from it. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Strange New Pod, or Strange New Trek, I should say, and that's going to be coming out. Look for it at the beginning of the season for uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and and Jeremy and Chris will keep on talking about Star Trek. And uh, again, thank you for being on the podcast and talking to me about this and just talking Star Trek in general. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I'm glad we finally linked up after a couple a couple failed attempts there. Yes. But uh <laughs> But it was nice to meet you, and I'm happy to be on, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right. So you can get Strange New Trek wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe there. Apple's a good place to start. For Trek Tuesday, this is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.